Hi, James. Ben, how are you? Well, I mean, it's it's sad the podcast had to come to an end this week. <laughs> this is it. It's all over. Guys, sorry, we're done. So first off, did you listen to the edited copy of the podcast last week by chance? I got through most of it. I didn't get through all of it. I've been sick as a dog. With A, a team member went to Poland and came back with some nasty version of the Polish flu, and I've been a little under the weather. So I haven't got through the whole thing yet, but I've got through part of it. Well, I'm going to edit out the part about your coworker going to Poland so that everyone can assume that you're sick as a dog because that I was mean to you on the podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what, 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 what you don't realize, I think, is... Um, we had like a 10, 15 minute discussion at the end of last week talking about how, why we feel strong debate super important and like mm. why we just went at it. I actually edited that out because oh. the podcast was already an hour and 20 minutes long and that would have made it like an hour and 40 minutes long. And obviously that was a crucial mistake. Yeah, it's, I, I, yes, I, I think so perhaps. Cause like, I, I, I don't know, I'm one of these people and I suspect you are too, that likes to tear things apart, like putting an idea up and seeing it shot at and torn apart. And sometimes um, that can feel quite uncomfortable, but when you're doing it with someone you like and respect and you focus it purely on the idea and not on the other person and you, you like, and sometimes you don't necessarily come to a point where you agree, but it's like, I, I find it invigorating, like, like, like battle testing ideas like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously I agree. Um, so, so yeah, I have a couple, I have a couple of, we had a ton of feedback, obviously. Um, yeah, we really did. <laughs> uh, a lot of it was very critical of me in particular. Um, so for example, uh, reader writes in, uh, Listening to your podcast about your change of views, you seem to be lost, and actually, you are wrong and rude. You should so show some respect to your co-host. Yeah, Ben. What, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 so th- th- let me tell you exactly why I feel demoralized. Yeah. Um, I am. I don't know when it was, but at some point, um, and, and this this was a thing that happened in stages. But I realized, like, I really needed to, to tone it down. Right. I, I couldn't. I couldn't live life arguing everything and trying like i mean everyone wants to know the truth i want to know the truth but at the same time like there's has to be a balance right like you can't Mm. just go at it about everything all the time if you do you're gonna have no friends you have nothing anyone and the reality is the number of people in the entire world that i would argue so vociferously as we did last week i i can count on one hand in less than one hand like there's like four names that come into my mind right now that I've known over like 34 years of being on this planet. And so first off to this emailer, like the fact that I would, that I would be so brusque um, is, is because like I do, like I've greatly respect you. I mean, let me be very clear. If I didn't respect you, I wouldn't bother arguing with you. I would just ignore you and let you make your point. Like I, I only try so hard to convince someone if like it really means something to me to convince them because I so greatly respect them and their opinion and where they're coming from. Yeah, I get that. I totally, I, I get that personally and I know you and I guess, um, I guess some, sometimes when people come in without knowing that relationship, they can get, they, they can get a little bit of a, 
a perspective that's slightly different. I, I will say on reflection on, excuse me, on reflection of last week, we did, um, and this is something that I think I learned in consulting. Like I came out of undergrad believing that there's a right answer and there's the truth. And, you know, you get to the right answer and you get to the truth and then you pound people over the head. And then you'd go into, you'd go into organizations and try and convince people of this stuff. And, um, I very quickly realized, actually, I didn't as quickly, I didn't realize quite as quickly as I should have, but I did begin to realize that really getting to the truth is only half of it. And then it's presenting the truth in a way that's palatable to other people such that they're willing to accept it. And if I, on reflection, if there's one thing that I think I did, and maybe I can extend it to we did, but I'll I'll just, I'll leave it as I did last week is that I went back into that old mode a little bit of like, I'm going to, I'm going to go for the truth and I am going to, like the way I was arguing with you last week, and it's the same for me, by the way, like if I didn't respect you, I wouldn't engage with you in the same way. But the way I was arguing with you last week, I was arguing to make me feel good as opposed to arguing necessarily in a way that the words I was saying, you would be willing to accept, um, and, and both of us, I think a couple of times, like went um, ad hominem and it was, it was the wrong, th- and you may have edited me out. I think, I, I, don't, I don't remember, like I said something about, like I said something about hate mail and that was clearly unfair. And I think you managed to deliver a line about my mom in a sarcastic tone. And that was like both of those, like little things like that, like, when you're trying to have a constructive debate you, and it's easy when the tone gets heated and I don't mind the tone getting heated, but it's easy when the tone gets heated to like play little cards like that. And I, I was disappointed in myself for doing it. Yeah. And I, I apologize for the mom comment as well. I did edit out the, the hate mail comment, which I thought at the time and in listening to it, I actually got even more upset was really unfair. <laughs> sorry, sorry, um, sorry. No, I mean, yeah, well, you threw yourself under the bus first, but basically you suggested that I changed my opinion because people sent me hate mail. And that's, and like, t- I don't believe that I was, I was being flippant and I was playing the man as opposed to like playing the ball and that's not the right way to do it. So I'm sorry. Well, I accept your apology, but that does lead me. I mean, this is actually the, this leads me to, to, um, you're, you're totally right about, uh, when it comes to convincing someone, um, it, being right or being right, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter unless you can convey it to people. Like this is a lesson I, it, we've talked about this offline. This is a lesson that both of us, I think have had to learn very painfully at times. Mm. And I, I think that's part of what makes it frustrating is I, I'm very much aware of that. I mean, like my, my entire profession right now is about trying to fashion arguments, convince people. And I've recounted on other podcasts, for example, about how I've had trouble in corporate environments because people think I was too brusque or came across the wrong way. And that was a problem for me at Microsoft, for example. And it, 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 even then, I've, I had improved a lot from when I was younger. I guess what, what was so frustrating for me about the podcast is, um, so I just got a tweet, just just. I just got, I got a tweet said basically. Um, so I, I, I don't know if you saw it yet, but I posted last night or yesterday um, where I laid out my argument for why I think at the Apple watch is now and why I think it's okay. It, it, mm. it, it was congealing all the stuff from, from, mm. from what we talked about last week, but it's a really good post packaging it all together. Right. Someone said, yep. Oh, that was really well written and certainly much clearer than the last episode of exponent. But that, 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 
that's the Wait. point. The whole reason I was pushing so hard was because I wasn't I wasn't certain in my conclusion. And I, I and what what was happening it was was if you think about an argument being a knife, like I I, I was using you as a stone yep. to sharpen it. And like I, I think one of the from my perspective, I think one of the critical insights is that is that the needing a phone isn't really a trade-off for people in real lives because they're already carrying their phones. I think that's mm. that's actually really important. You may disagree. That's fine. Mm. I personally think it's really important. I didn't think that before the podcast. I came up with that halfway through the podcast in response to you pushing me on that point. Mm. And like I think my argument that I posted is is much stronger um, because you pushed me on it. And, and I guess what I guess what, what what I'm questioning about the pod, and we're not going to quit the podcast. I was being a little melodramatic, <laughs> but it, it make it. It's like maybe we should have had that off offline. I guess uh, uh, no. I think I think if we'd both if we both checked our tone, I think we'd have been fine. Like that's the messiness of the creative process. That's the messiness of building a great argument. Like that's the benefit of having those out and out discussions. And I think maybe because both of us have come from places where we've we've had to learn this the hard way maybe we just slip back into it but i feel like going but, but to through, me that to me that's the appeal of talking to you sorry i just right. interrupted you i'm going to get an email about no it. no 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 it's fine and i actually i don't i don't mind it so much when you do like i i i i agree i like that's the fun of it like this is a this is a back and forth conversation that where we get passionate about things and we're we're you know like we're driving towards getting an argument right and we both have very different points of view and neither of us are going to will, be willing to roll over the the regret the the regret i had is that the tone got personal but everything that i've done that's been difficult in life whether it's big or like getting to a point like what you did with that most recent article, there's a period of intense messiness and un being uncomfortable and you have to fight through it and you're fighting through it with other people or you're fighting through it with yourself. And that's just part of getting to a good point at anything. And I, I don't want to shy away from it. I just, if I could go back and do it again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't not record that episode. I'd have just done a better job of checking some of the the comments and the tone at times. I think. Yeah, I mean, I guess they, there there's something so so, and what the reason I enjoy talking to you is because I 100 percent knew that you weren't taking it personally, mm. right? Uh, and and I and I'm confident that you knew the same about me, uh -huh. right? There, there's something about like just letting loose though, right? Like that yeah. lets you, that like lets you, and I feel safe talking to you because I know you're not going to get offended and I can like let myself go, right? I can just like, I, I, I feel I live so much, so much of the time I'm, I'm, all, I'm like always living, I don't want to say under control, like, but like where like there's a governor on the engine, Right. Yeah. And sometimes it's nice to like get on the racetrack and just like let, let it, it go. Let, let it yeah. go. And I guess I guess what's kind of demoralizing is this makes me question if I should record it when I do that. Because like there was a lot of email and some of it was very personal. And and honestly, like it, it, it's and I know people I'm not begging for positive email to send back. We got positive <laughs> feedback too. Um but it, it it hurt. It was, de it was demoralizing. 
Yeah, I, I, I get it. I, again, I, so, so, so two things I, I want, I, I enjoy this for that reason. And I felt, I feel like if you were holding back, I wouldn't have as much fun. Um, so, uh, at least from my perspective, don't do that. I, I think, I think, Again, I, I think that if we just if we the the tone, um, we'd have we'd have got it. I, I don't think we'd have got the negative feedback. I, and I don't think we'd have tweaked each other quite so much. Like I still think neither of us like I think both of us have pretty strong views on it. I don't think either of us would have rolled over, but I was I was arguing in a way where it was like me, I, I have my argument and I'm gonna pound it and you know, here we go. And the thing is when people listen to it, it's I mean, not only did I feel like I was not gonna convince you. And not that I should have, because I think you're like I, I get your point of view, and I understand why you have it, and I think it's a it's a it's a solid point of view. I totally get the, I totally get the argument, but there are other people listening as well, and maybe they're on the fence. And the way we were going at each other with the tone, I think, turned people off. I yeah. think that's all it was. No, I, 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 think, I think that that gets at it because like it was it was like I said, it was useful. Like I think the the knife and rock. Analogy makes sense because it was useful for me that you were being a rock, right? Mm. Like I, I was frustrated that I felt you weren't going to change your opinion. Like I was mm. frustrated because I, I felt during the episode that no matter what I said, you were never going to change your opinion. Um, well, I, I think that, you know what? And I, I love the idea of having my mind changed by someone. Like I am totally up for it. But I, I also think this speaks to tone, right? Like when you, when we go at each other like the way we did last week, yes, it really does force the ideas, but it also forces us more into our corners. It doesn't invite the other person out to like, okay, let me come see it from your point of view. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm up for both of them. I'm I'm up for both approaches, and sometimes it is fun just to go balls to the wall in an all out all out like brawl. But um, like I, I I don't think that either of us, neither of us, are the kind of personalities where we're going to change our minds based on the fact someone's pounding us into the pavement. Like well, I just don't think we're going to get there, and I don't think that I wouldn't have changed my mind because of the quality of your argument. Um, in fact, I went away and reflected on it and I, like, you certainly put some doubt in my mind about what I was saying. Um, it was more that like the nature of that type of argument, it, it, it affects different people in different ways. And like, once I, once I get into like uh, a malay like that, I'm, I'm unlikely to want to back down. And I think you're kind of the same. Well, I think I, this is, I mean, I, I'm glad you, I'm glad you went there because we actually talked about this a few weeks ago, and I think I'm the same. I think actually everyone is the same. Um, and I think it was the uh, the Naked podcast um, where we talked a little bit about like the gamer controversy and stuff like that. And and I, I made the point then that like directly challenging someone or calling them sexist, like it's not. It might make you feel better, but it's not going to actually. Mm-hmm. It's not going to actually change their mind. Now, right. to be clear, there there can be other effects like you calling someone out um, might not do anything for the person you're directing, but there might be people observing and you're sending a message to them. And so I, I, again, I'm not saying that you shouldn't call out stuff like that when you do it. My point is very specifically for the person who is hearing that, who it's directed at uh, that's not going to change their opinion, right? You, you, you're a change of opinion is only going to ever come. It's uh, it's only going to ever come from, from internally. Right. It's like the whole like inception thing, right? Like you, it has to, it has to be an internal realization 
Uh, yeah, and, and when people bring, when you bring someone to that realization, it's because you've almost. In all but very rare circumstances, I feel it's often the case because you've managed to let them lower their guard and they let you in closer and closer and and you almost uh, like almost like hold up a mirror and they see it for themselves as opposed to like you bash down the front door and like finger in the face and you're yelling at them and like this is like look what you are like da 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 i don't I don't know that really ever changes anybody's mind no i I completely agree so uh, James, I apologize for um I did get frustrated for making it personal and readers. I apologize if you felt uncomfortable, um, rest assured that James and I ended the podcast very jovial and laughing <laughs> and joking. Um, so, uh, going forward, if we ever do get into it again, which I, 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 I hope we don't, the reality is I wasn't that thrilled with the podcast because I felt it went on and on forever. I, it was hard to edit because, if you took out certain parts, then other the the waiter parts fell apart because they were resting on arguments that were made before. At least I felt that. Um, but I guess I guess it's it's a learning point, and it, it's it's. Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's a learning point. I I hope we do get into it again. I just hope next time we do it better. All right. Well, we, we've 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 talked about ourselves um, after, more than after, enough after after doing self serving a self serving podcast where we argued our own positions for an hour and twenty minutes. We now spend another twenty minutes talking about ourselves and how bad we feel because people were mean to us. So <laughs> yeah. So I also apologize, Ben. I'm sorry. I I played the man and not the ball. And everybody, yes, like for that. What what Ben said, it applies equally to both of us. I think. I presume you haven't changed your mind about the watch. You certainly laid in a shadow of doubt in my mind, but I, I really do feel like the presentation, the presentation to me still, the, the, the root cause of the problem, why it was so muddled was a lack of why. And I don't think most people are going to go to the same amount of effort that you did in terms of understanding it. Um, like to go back and rewatch things. So I, I get your point of view. And I also recognize that there's still six months between now and then, and maybe they reintroduce it, but I, I don't know. It just felt, yeah, I, I no, not, I haven't, but I, I certainly see your point of view. All right. Well, everyone's grimacing that I'm going to try to convince you again, but I'm not. So we, we can, <laughs> uh, we, we can move on. Um, what we were going to talk about and what I last week and what I really want to talk about, because I feel like I'm the only person on the internet who doesn't understand it is Minecraft. I, I feel like I'm too old to have played it myself and I don't have kids that are using it. So what is this thing and why has Microsoft purchased it? So I'm, I'm no Minecraft expert my, myself. I mean, my daughter, my daughter uh, has played it and likes it a lot. Um, I mean, I remember the first time that I tried it, I think it was at an Apple store. I'm like, what, <laughs> you know, what is this crap? Like, cause it's really ugly. Right. <laughs> um, and it's, it's like, it's pretty hard to control, especially, especially on the iPad. Um, I imagine it's better on, on a console. I don't have a console that can play it. Um, but uh, wh- whenever I do get one, I'll, I'll probably buy it. But it, but I think the other thing that I, I really don't have experience with is on PC, which is where you can add mods and you can have like different capabilities. And I know there's like a whole component where you can have servers. Like people set up a server in their neighborhood and all the kids like build worlds together. Oh, wow. Um, so basically, what, what at, I'm, I'm sure readers know much more about than either of us, but you, you can go in, you can build worlds. There's an actual game to it, and there's like zombies you fight and stuff like that. But the real appeal to it is it it's a canvas. It's it's digital Legos. Like you can go in and you can create 
almost anything. And there, people have created just some absolutely amazing stuff. I mean, like there was, there was one I saw yesterday, like someone created um, the whole, what, what's the world, what's the world of, of the Hobbit? Um, oh, uh, oh I, gosh. Middle Earth. Yes. Like someone created Middle, Middle Earth, like Rivendell, like all this whole, like, it's unbelievable. All of it? Uh, it, it was like the whole, like, I, ri- they created Rivet. Yeah, pretty much all of it, I think. Um, wow. Uh, I didn't watch the whole thing. I don't have that much time. But um, <laughs> well, How much time must have they had to build what, the damn thing? So it was, it's like a whole team that builds it, right? It was like uh, a whole community okay. effort. But th- what I'm getting at is um, by being so much less than a game in some respects, it has become so much more than a game because there's, there's this a massive apparatus that now sits on top of Minecraft, which is these communities, which is neighborhoods, which is a dad sending up a server. So the neighborhood kids can build a world together, which is to disputes among kids about someone's going in and breaking stuff and trying to figure out who it is. Right. Uh, to some things don't change. Yeah, no, for sure. To, to these, to these mods, these whole online worlds, to, a massive YouTube community, um, you know, where people like will watch Minecraft videos for hours on ends and they're, they're incredible. Um, and, and so what you're getting, it's much more than just buying a game. This is much different than, than, uh, Microsoft buying Bungie for Halo. I think back in the day, Mm. it's, it's, it's a platform in the truest possible sense of something being, being a platform. Wow. So it sounds yeah. So that that explains why you're quite so bullish on it versus versus like some of these other things that Microsoft are doing at the moment. Well, what's so what's so interesting about it is um, my consistent my consistent critique of Microsoft is that I think they are by nature uh, a horizontal company. They are they they their DNA is about serving everyone and. They got away with having more of a vertical type um, business model. I mean, not, not, not like Windows ran on everything, but like they they could they sold devices. They made money by selling devices, basically. I mean, they didn't sell the actual device, but the way Microsoft made money off of people back in the day was someone would buy a new computer, and Microsoft would get hundred bucks or one hundred fifty bucks, or whatever, for, because it had Windows on it. And so they had this really neat model where they had. Um, a bunch of companies doing their grunt work of actually selling the device, but they were making money on a device basis. Now, when you make money on a device basis, that wends itself to being more of a horizontal, a vertical business, sorry, like Apple is, right? So Apple sells, sells a device and all the work you do on top of that is to make the device more attractive so people will buy it more often, right? So Apple does the software for free, quote unquote free, but that's mm. to make the hardware more attractive. They do the services for free, but that's so you're more likely to buy, to buy, the hardware. Um, and the problem with that is uh, you, all the work you do on top um, should only accrue to your device because the whole point of it is to differentiate your device. Apple's software doesn't run on other, on other devices because it's the Apple software that makes their devices unique. Right. So the Microsoft though, um, to me, they're, they're, I think they're, they're much more suited to um, touching everyone, right? That, that's why they've always been so great about compatibility, about making everything works. Um, I mean, people critique Microsoft for stuff not working. 
the reality is it's a miracle it worked as well as it did, given yeah. like all this stuff they had to support and like the frankly Herculean efforts they went through with every version of Windows to make it work on all this kind on all sorts of stuff, any type of hardware. Um and and that to me, that's that's their nature. And and so it was weird because they basically had a vertical type business model where they made money on a device sale, but they had a horizontal type business where they were trying to reach everyone. And when you try to reach everyone, you don't want to differentiate. You want to have the same experience everywhere. Makes sense. So the problem for Microsoft today is they, they don't really make the chances to make money with their old model are much more limited because that only worked with PCs. They don't, they don't sell mobile devices, um, you know, to the vast majority of people, which means they can't make money that way any anymore. Um, Android, Android displaced what windows Android on the mobile is what windows was on the PC effectively. Right? No, absolutely. And, um, uh, and so there's no room for the licensing model model anymore. And so to my mind, you, you so that leaves two choices, right? You can stick with the way you made money, which is basically by selling devices. But that means you have to change everything on top. You need to narrow it so that it, it, it differentiates your devices, which means you buy a Windows phone because the software is superior. The services are superior. You don't like... Or you buy a Surface tablet for the exact for the exact yeah. same reason. Then they're playing Apple's game effectively. They're playing Apple's game, and it's way too late. Like that, the yeah. ship has sailed. And the problem is today to have a differentiated device. A critical component of that is the app ecosystem. Yep. And and what's so difficult is that uh, the device manufacturer doesn't really control that. Like you can't. It's like hurting ants, right? You can't do it. It's like trying to control a market, right? The 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 invisible hand is invisible because it belongs to no one. Mm. Um, and and so Microsoft has, if they were to pursue a device strategy, is placing their fate in the hands of hundreds of thousands of developers that they can never really control, and they don't have an attractive value proposition for. Right. For me, as a business person, that would make me exceptionally nervous. Yeah, I mean, there there are extreme network effects here, and they start early, and once they become embedded, they're very difficult to overcome. And we, I mean, we talked about the the value proposition for Apple being at the the top end of the most demanding consumers, and the the value proposition for Android being for the other ninety percent or whatever that number might be. And I, I don't, I I just don't see how, given the way Microsoft makes money, how they could, where they fit in that world. Right. So, um, so my, my push for them uh, as a company has been to focus on what I think they do great, which is uh, the services and reaching everyone. And, but what they need to change then is they need to change their business model, right? Instead of depending on a per device sale, they need to switch to more of a services model, subscription type model where there may, where there's two there's two ways to monetize it. One is paid subscriptions where you're paying mm-hmm. on a regular basis for the service that you get. The alternative is advertising where uh, the user is paying with their attention and usage and then you're 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 making money on the back end by selling ads. Obviously that the latter one is the main Google model um and uh and what I what I what I think Microsoft has done very effectively on the enterprise side is the flip side. They, they make money on a, a regular basis. Um, people pay them money every month 
And then Microsoft, you know, they update their software over time and it's a very steady stream of income. And it's very, it's a very nice transaction. I feel from like a customer perspective, I like service companies. I like paying these subscription fees because I feel the incentives are all, are all right there, right? They need to keep up the service. They need to keep improving it because I can stop paying at any time. Um, it's it, from a enterprise perspective, there's, is quite a bit of lock-in, um, but, uh, that's the model monetization model that works. This is Microsoft's big problem. They they had they had a device monetization model, but a but a horizontal type business. And what they need to do, I think, over time is switch to a horizontal business. They've done the enterprise, but they've had a much harder time doing it in consumer. So let's bring it back to how Minecraft fits into that. So the big challenge is it's it's not super clear that uh, the service, the for pay services business will work in the consumer space. Um, I think Evernote is doing some really interesting stuff here. But generally speaking, um, customers haven't shown the willingness to pay on a monthly on a monthly basis. Um, and whether that's expectations, whether I don't I, I wonder if that's something that can or cannot be overcome, like. I hope it can be overcome because I don't want advertising to only ever be the way to monetize these things. Well, Dropbox, I, I like I thinking about personal experience. I for the longest period of time I was averse to paying for Dropbox, and then it just got to the point where it's like this thing is too useful. I'm going to give these guys my money. Right, but Dropbox. Is, you, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, no. Once you start down this path, it's amazing how quickly your behavior changed. They get you for they get you with a free version. They they get you for a year and then you realize actually <laughs> this is pretty good. I'm gonna keep going with it. And then suddenly it's like not a big deal to start spending on services like this. But the problem for Dropbox though is they're pivoting and they've been pivoting yes. for a while to the business side because there aren't enough people like you and I. Like I, right. I I've been paying for the premium version of Dropbox for, for years now, actually. Um but but you know, there's a big question whether enough consumers to do that. Whereas business is is willing to do that because people will do the calculation and decide that it's worth it. So where I think you're heading is that you suspect that they're actually this might actually form the backbone of Microsoft's ability to charge on a service basis to consumers using by using Minecraft. Well, I'm not sure yet. I mean, what I like about Minecraft. Let's get there in a second. Um, yeah, because okay. that, that, that's actually a critical question in this acquisition. But I've kind of ignored the Xbox. To me, I think it's a sideshow for what micro, where Microsoft needs to go. It's a it's a vertical business in a industry that um, that I think is overserved. I, I I don't think there's any reason for both the Xbox and the PS4 to exist. Like I, mm. I defend consoles as a category, but I I think consoles. It's like back in the, the, the back in the day, XM radio, there used to be XM radio and Sirius for satellite radio in the US. And yeah. when they merged, we're like, oh, is there going to be an antitrust concern? Because they're the only two competitors. Well, the argument they made successfully was that our competition isn't each other. Our competition is terrestrial radio, it's iPods, it's all this other sort of stuff. And I think the same thing applies to consoles. Like for a long time, uh, Nintendo and, and Xbox and Sony and before them, Sega and all the other ones were competing against each other, but that's no, the, the, the realm of competition has expanded dramatically, right? Mm. The, the Xbox is competing against the iPod, iPad is competing against the, um, all, you know, the TV is competing against all, all these sorts of additional distractions we have distractions, which are so significant that you think consoles are, are going away. 
Um, I don't think they're going away, but I definitely do think that to have competing systems within within this genre probably doesn't make long-term sense. Got it. So, um, so I thought they should get rid of the whole thing. Um, uh, it's uh, again, it doesn't fit. Minecraft is totally different. Minecraft uh, already works on iOS, on Android. Um, it's the top-selling paid download game on on both those platforms. Uh, it's on Xbox. Uh, it's on PS3. And the PS4 version, I think, just came out. It just came out. It was just announced. And it's on PC. It's on Mac. Like it is the opposite of Xbox. Like it's the opposite of Halo. The whole th- point with Halo was it may, gave you a reason to buy an Xbox. Whereas Minecraft is not going to give you a reason to buy an Xbox. It's cross, like it, you play it on whatever device you have. So Minecraft actually has nothing to do with Xbox at all. It, it's actually bad for Xbox because it works everywhere. Yep. So what's really compelling to me is this idea of working everywhere and focusing on the software and the online component and the service component, boy, that that sounds an awful lot like the vision I have for Microsoft as a whole, right? It's to get out of the device business, to get out of the, we're going to differentiate our devices through exclusive business and getting into the, we're going to serve everybody and we're going to take care of the back end and we're going to do stuff that only a big company like us can do. Um, like there's so much clarity in a game that is cross-platform for where Microsoft needs to go than the Xbox is as an entire franchise. It's interesting. I, 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 I agree with you entirely, but I, I worry that Microsoft can't build an entire consumer franchise around that. I mean, it's it sounds like it's a pretty compelling game and it's got lots of, it's got a lot of kids playing it and a lot of people very bullish about it, talking about how the next generation of engineers and makers are all playing around with this stuff right now. And so I, the the Lego online, the Lego, the digital version of Lego explanation, uh, I find that pretty compelling. But I don't think by and large, well, by itself, it's enough to form the consumer plank of Microsoft's strategy, right? Oh, I don't, I don't know. It, it could be, but I, I don't think that's necessarily like, I don't think it needs to be right. Like, I don't, I don't think it's an either or sort of thing to me. It's, it's the right direction. It's directionally it. correct. And it's, um, and it's far better in my opinion for where Microsoft needs to go than Xbox is like huh. to me, to me, Xbox is Xbox is the old strategy. It's the per device strategy. Um, it's not the services broad reach strategy. Mm. And and it's not like and it's not exactly a moneymaker either to to, to be to Yeah, be right. Um and so I would I would love I would love, love, love uh to see Microsoft. Um I even I even more strongly wish they would get like my worry here, my worry for Microsoft is the exact same worry I wrote about when I talk about Microsoft being split up. My worry is that the the device part of the business. My worry before was that Windows, the which monetizes on a per device basis, uh, is a bad influence on the rest of Microsoft because mm. it it drives wrong thinking, it drives wrong priorities, it mm. it makes Microsoft have innovative technology be Windows first, mm. and so yes, it comes to iOS and Android later. But none of Microsoft's competitors are building Windows first; they are handicapping themselves. Right. Even if they even if they go to other platforms, they're building in a a delay and they're not having their best engineers on it. Um, and so they're handicapping themselves because Windows is there. 
uh, or Windows Phone, especially. Um, my worry is the same thing happens here that that decisions are made with Minecraft or just their their gaming portfolio broadly and their consumer portfolio broadly that that is like oh we're going to be great everywhere but best on Xbox that you that's that's a I loved your analogy last week the with straddling the barbed wire sort of strategy yeah right? one foot either side of a barbed wire fence yes <laughs> um and and my concern is is that's the same do you know what's really yeah that that's really interesting to me about this is for the longest period of time microsoft have always seemed to to have a very cohesive like everything all the pieces fit together strategy and what you're articulating now and your response to me saying like they can't just build a consumer platform around one game and you saying but actually it's the right approach is that at, at least on the consumer side they start to look a lot more like let a thousand flowers bloom and see what takes off across every device as opposed to the the previous like Microsoft much more vertical focus where you have all these pieces that very neatly fit together it's almost like they come along and they fill gaps that all the other all the other players in the ecosystem aren't able to uh, that that they haven't done successfully. It's almost like they um, Google has an ins- is there I'm I I can't I haven't got the articulation quite clearly, but like I can see them actually wedging Apple and Microsoft in terms of like building services that are as compelling as what Apple might have done, and then offering them across. Or is that what Google does already? I'm not sure. Well, it's it, it, it's interesting because I I think there's a huge opportunity here. I think Apple. I I, I wrote also a couple weeks ago that I, Apple's services stink, um, and you know just from what I know and have heard internally, I think they're worse than people appreciate, um, because their incentives are all wrong. Right? It's not that Apple's a bad company. It's that they're the way they make money, the sort of people in the company who get power, the, mm. the way that information is handed out, mm. uh, the way that credit is given, all accrues to creating great devices. Mm. And as I just articulated, the in, what is required for a great device is orthogonal to what's required for great services. Um, if you're like Apple's services are all cost centers, that's business speak for saying they don't make money on them. They, they just, cost money, right? Like HR and accounting. Right, exactly. And and <laughs> anyone who's talked to a seasoned HR or accounting executive knows uh this sort of uh <laughs> sorry, sorry HR and accounting listeners. Yeah. Um uh there's pe- some people who love it. There's a lot of people that uh end up a little frustrated because they don't feel appreciated. They don't feel they get the credit they deserve. And quite frankly, if you're sitting in Silicon Valley and you're a cl- cloud superstar, why on earth would you want to work for Apple when you could go to Dropbox and be a superstar. When you could go to Google and be a superstar. When you could go to almost every other company, which is which is horizontally focused, and be a rock star. Like, why would you want to go and be a the janitor um, polishing? Yeah, machine you on want to be iPhone? closer to the revenue, right? Right. And it, it, again, this is no, this is not people. I, I wrote this. People got very upset. This is not in the slightest a criticism. Like, in fact, I am happy Apple does it this way because the flip side of it is that their device. One of the reasons Apple's devices are so much better than everybody else's is because they have their incentives so aligned to create great devices. Yeah, and th- it's it's a trade off. Like you can't like 
Everything is both. a trade-off. Apple has chosen to not straddle the barbed wire fence, but that means their services are never going to be as good. Mm. So coming back to where we started is, <laughs> is Microsoft's, um, Microsoft's opening is to actually maybe start focusing on building services where Apple's dropping the ball on iOS devices. I mean, to the uh, there's certainly stuff that Apple one of them do, but but no, I I mean uh, Microsoft I think is is their opportunity. It, it, I, it, this is more of a hope than a, than a no because again, the big question I have is if customers will ever actually pay for this stuff. Yeah, but but Google will always only ever be free, and that introduces right. their own bad incentives in a lot of ways. Right, there's incentives from a data perspective from a privacy perspective but also from a like there's no incentive for google to be great like the incentive for google is to not piss you off and that's very different so that you don't leave right like that's very different than an incentive to earn your money and and i hope that there is a large enough market to support a company that just selfishly i hope that wants to earn your business on a recurring basis and there's no one serving that and that's something that Microsoft I think could could do very huh. could do very well. You've like convinced me. Like I I clearly see it now. Like Apple's got the vertical around the devices. Um, Google is working uh, working horizontally with services that are free and working with a range of hardware providers to put um, Android on it, and Microsoft's opening is to to de- de- deliver services of the quality of Apple's devices, but deliver them in a platform agnostic way and charge people for them. Right, and I and I, I yeah, no, totally. And I think that um, what, what's fascinating about Minecraft, the problem with Minecraft um, from a Microsoft perspective is Minecraft is horribly under monetized. Right, mm. um, you for Minecraft you pay once, and the the, the problem, the disconnect there is. It's a great deal for the like all there's there's to put in economic terms there's a huge consumer surplus mm. um that that is not being captured because people are spending years playing this game and they paid like twenty dollars once um and so there's a massive opportunity to to increase the amount of money you earn over time from people mm. the big the big 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 minefield here is is everyone's already suspicious of Microsoft and like, you know, pissing people off basically <laughs> um, and losing, losing everything that makes it so, so special. I do think like, I think the whole server experience and the having backends and like the whole neighborhood server where the kids can play on to me, that that's really, that's, that's such a, that's difficult. It's not easy to me. That's where I think the big opportunity is with Minecraft. I think there's a lot Microsoft can do on the back end to, to, enhance and make easier the stuff that you can already do and people and let people still do it if they want to do it for free and hack together their own home server but create a oh or you could pay you know a dollar 99 per user and create a neighborhood you know create a neighborhood minecraft environment where you know you and their friends can play and yeah. we'll take care of it we'll update all the stuff you don't need to worry about it um I think I, I, I'm excited thinking about the possibility of them making something like this. Yeah, it's been priced very much living in a Google world, but like if if they're following if they're articul if they're following the strategy that we've just articulated, it makes no sense for the pricing to continue in that manner, and it starts to look a little bit. I, I agree. Like 
you know, you're not setting up your own servers when you buy a Blizzard game. Like they take care of it all for you, for better or for worse. And I can I can easily see that parents don't want to have to. Most parents don't want to have to deal with that kind of thing. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and, I, and that's the part of the game that I think. Like I still think there's there, there's growth here. I like a lot of people are like oh look at all like the things like like Candy Crush and Farmville. Like there's another fad. I, I I strongly disagree, and this goes back to a lot of the the gaming discussions we've had in general. Like mm. I, there there are there there's a there's a degree of depth and engagement here um, that is that makes it totally different than something you do in your spare time. Yeah, um, people aren't. It, I mean, you don't make Middle Earth in your spare time. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, obviously that's an extreme, but there, there's tons of examples of this. Like. I'll waste the rest of your night. Like, go and search for like Minecraft, like worlds and stuff like that. I mean, um, I I want to see Middle Earth. Like, I am, when we get off this, I am going to go and find whoever these people are that did Middle Earth. Like, that sounds phenomenal. Uh yeah, I'll I'll find. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, sounds good. But yeah, so I mean, I I'm that's why I'm bullish. Um, the, the other thing about Minecraft in general is is what's so cool about Minecraft is um I wrote about this in the daily update, but like uh. What's Minecraft is so powerful because um, kids love video games, right? They love all video games, but parents tend to feel guilty about their kids playing it. Even though like good, I can have a few hours of peace here, but my kid play video games, like you feel bad. Um, parents don't feel bad about their kids playing Minecraft. Like huh. it's they're building, they're developing something. And I, I've actually done some projects and some research in the area of toys and kids and stuff like that. And the most powerful toys and the most long lasting and and uh, like what not rich um, money making. There's a word I'm looking for. Lucrative toys are the ones that create this alignment where kids buy them because they're fun and parents buy them because they feel they think they're buying something educational. It's a hard line to toe because I remember I remember teachers trying to push this like fun educational stuff on me as a student, and I would you smell a rat a million miles away. No, for sure, and that it's really hard. It's really hard to do, um, and that's that's why that's why I think Minecraft's a really big deal um, because it has this powerful incentive. I don't think it's going. I think it'll be around for a, a, a very long time. I think the point about being the next generation, um, I, I think, is valid. Uh, um, no, so I, I mean, I'm, I, I couldn't be more positive about the deal. I almost regret that I wrote about the Xbox thing in it because I, th- to my opinion, there weren't enough people defending it. Like people were like, huh? um, whereas to me it, it's, and it's such a great fit with like Microsoft saying they want to be the company about productivity and serving everyone. Like you're literally building stuff, <laughs> you know, like that's pretty, that's, it's a different kind of productivity, but it's, it's definitely productive. Um, and yeah, so I, I'm, I, I love the deal. I think it's fantastic. And I just, uh, I just don't see, the, especially no. now I don't see the point of Xbox. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree, but I, I, the thing that I've enjoyed about this conversation is I now have, uh, a clear understanding of a coherent consumer strategy for Microsoft that I just didn't have before we chatted. Well, and our listeners are happy that you agree with me. So <laughs> we didn't even interrupt each other what's wrong with this uh yes so um yeah no i, I i'm I, i'm excited i think there's um my, my, i mean microsoft by no means out, 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 of, out of the water but um this is a really a surprising deal um but uh yeah i just think 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 it makes a, makes a lot of sense ah interesting very cool 
Well, oh, there's actually one thing I did want to mention. Um, huh. uh, so Apple's making a little bit of a push against, uh, or at least there's that letter about privacy against. against oh Google. yes, I wanted to talk about this too. Um, it was it was interesting. There's one point I wanted to to make on this. Um, uh, is the I felt the problem with Microsoft doing it beyond the fact that the screw commercials were awful was there was there was dissonance in that Microsoft makes money on ads too. Like Microsoft's, you open up Outlook, Outlook email, there are ads there. And mm. they're trying to draw the distinction that our ads aren't generated by reading your email, but it's it's too it's too complicated. Um and the reality is Microsoft needs advertising, right? They 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 need to make money off of consumers over time. Um, and so they, that's why I think this is why I think Bing is important, especially from a consumer perspective, like they, they need to make money from consumers over time, um, uh, because they're not going to make money from consumers who are buying devices or they're going to mm. make a lot less than they did before. Yep. Um, so I think they need a blend of paid services and also advertising supported services. What I think is compelling for Apple is, is Apple went right at the business case point. We don't yes. make money from ads. Um, but then they had, well, we do have that iAd program. Like to me, if you're gonna make this a marketing focus, dump IAD. It's it, it it's it can't be worth the muddling it's gonna yeah. do to this message. I was so happy Apple went at that approach and and came out with the stuff like we won't unlock cell phones and the fact that they the, the, the <laughs> because like this is the advantage of going this is like the advantage that Apple gets from selling at a vertical device basis rather than a, a horizontal service basis. Apple doesn't need to read your email to make money. So why on earth they wouldn't make a virtue out of that fact for the longest period of time has just blown my mind. And I was, I was like, yes, like this is how, this is how you start to fight back against some of this privacy stuff by making people realize that if they pay a little bit more upfront to a manufacturer or a company whose incentives are aligned with privacy, um, or at least aligned in terms of not needing to read your email and not needing to track you over the web, then you can get privacy in that way. And to see them advertise on top of that just made so much sense. And it, it, it blows my mind that they didn't do it sooner. Yeah, it would be very interesting to see how much, like, are they going to make television commercials? Like, are they going to, is it going to be just a letter? Um, but it, it's, people are like, I think people are underestimating um I don't know. I don't know. Some people say people just don't care. On the flip side, like people really don't understand this business model bit. I mean, like when I started trajectory, a lot of my readers, I think a lot of people are like, oh, wow, that's really interesting. They don't really think about that way. Like the whole horizontal vertical distinction and the implications of that. Like I'm very certain the population at large uh, does not at all distinguish between data stored on Google and data stored in iCloud. Um, and that, It'll be interesting to see Apple's commitment. And this is why I talk about selling IAD, because if you do want that message to resonate, it's going to take more than a letter from Tim Cook on the website. It's going yeah, to take, totally. it's, this is a year's commitment. Like marketing, uh, marketing doesn't work in one-off shots. It, like it, it's, it's a drip. It's like the Chinese water torture is, yeah. is the, the way marketing works. People say, oh, I'm not affected by marketing. Uh, you, 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 you don't appreciate that brands Sorry, excuse the Marco Ment voice. Brands are working on you over years, um, and and it'd be interesting. I, I that's why I'm watching the iAd thing. If Apple closes or spins off iAd, to me that shows they're in this for the long haul. If they don't, I'm like, eh, that's a nice letter. 
Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I, I agree. I, I I hope they do because I like the clarity and I like what it enables them to do. Like the notion, I mean, I, I think there's some very compelling advertising that could be created around the facts. Like, uh, I mean, the 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 first thing you need to be able to do to put ads in people's emails is to read the emails first. And it's like, that's that's the difference between like paying for device up front and and using using I mean again I'd need to clear clear up the articulation but I think there are some there are some buttons that particularly with all this NSA stuff that people are very sensitive to and I think there's an opportunity for them to take advantage of it and this was the first step and I hope they keep going down this path because I'd much rather live in that world where I pay more up front and work with a company that's not interested in tracking everywhere I go and reading everything I do so they can sell ads and who knows what else happens to that data. Yeah, so I think to tie this in a bow, what's, what's interesting is if Apple did this and was successful, um, one of the biggest winners could be Microsoft because yeah. Apple would be legitimizing paying for things that you could get for free. And Microsoft, like I said, Microsoft tried, but they can't really make that message effectively because they do ads too and they need to do ads. But wouldn't it be neat if Apple instilled the idea that paying for stuff gets you benefits beyond just the service. Oh. And then Microsoft's like, oh, by the way, you want fantastic email. You want fantastic, you know, you want better email. You want better productivity software. You want better, all this sort of stuff. Um, we're here, $4.99 a month, $9.99 a month. Um, Isn't it funny how the battle lines have redrawn? It used to be Apple and against Microsoft, and then it was Apple and Google against Microsoft. And now, like, I'm actually starting to think it's Apple and Microsoft against Google. Well, I think ultimately the battle lines are about um, as much as we like to romanticize like conflict on that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, it's about it, the battle lines are about business models. Yeah, and the right now today the Microsoft and Apple business models are aligned. And the Apple sells premium hardware. Microsoft wants to sell premium services. Uh, like Mike, Apple's not bothered if you use Microsoft services on their on their devices. Uh, whereas on the other side, uh, Google wants to destroy the value of devices so they can, they can offer you free services uh, that they can monetize through advertising. That's just totally orthogonal to I use orthogonal. I'm gonna get called on freezing word twice um, uh, to what Apple's doing and what Microsoft's doing. Yeah. Well, absolutely, and you're absolutely right. It's uh, it's it's driven by business models, but it's always so much more fun when you talk about it in terms of companies fighting against each other. I think Eric Schmidt was in the news today for talking about how the the fight between Apple and Google has never been more intense, which I thought was a pretty interesting thing to come out and say. Well, Tim Cook said the same thing. He said their number one, he basically said their only um, competitor is Google. Um, which is which is interesting. It's interesting in two ways. One, from a business model perspective, their competitor is Samsung because Samsung's competing for the same dollars. Yeah. But from a like philosophical perspective and from a view of the world perspective, uh, it absolutely is Google. Fascinating. Cool. All right. Well, we we went long last week, so we should uh, keep it shorter this week. Um, I, I need to. Uh, um, I am not uh, emotionally or yeah, not drained. I, I, and I'm not sweating. <laughs> yeah, which is a nice change from last week. <laughs> um, and yeah, I trust your mom is doing well. 
Yeah, I'll say hello to her for you, Ben. How about that? <laughs> Keep her away from the barbed wire. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's almost taking it too far. Let's let's call it quits there. <laughs> uh, I'll talk to you later, mate. All right, have a good day. See ya.